You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I am joined by one of my lovely co-hosts, Jamie. Jamie, say hi to all the listeners. Hello. And we have a very special guest for you guys today. And I'm excited to talk to this actor because I want to know why one minute he has me feeling like I'm going to be a field and track superstar. Then the next minute he has my mind racing and I'm trying to figure out how the hell do I get out of Manhattan when there's 21 bridges closed. (laughs) So I'm hoping you guys have seen race. I'm hoping you've seen 21 bridges. I'm also hoping you've seen if Bill Street could talk. Also, shots fire, and I'm just going to keep going, but I know I need to stop because you probably want to hear him talk instead of me. And so with all that said, welcome Stefan James to the Black Gunners podcast. Stefan, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. I'm great. I appreciate y'all having me. How you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Okay, so I went through all these titles, Stefan, because I hope you give us some tips and some tricks here about some of your old projects. So I want to start with um, 21 Bridges. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out to me about that movie, first of all, you and Chadwick kill the action sequences and I love a good action movie. And you usually have just your badass, like main, main action star. And then you have your villain, but you had, but you had a different spin on a villain here, so to speak. Like I feel bad for you towards the end. It usually that happened for me. Like you just have the one action star, you know, you're good. Like, you know, you just follow on Chadwick and you're good. So what I want to know is for the stunts, there was this one scene where you guys were doing a serious chase scene between you and Chadwick and you guys were in, it looks like a, maybe a kitchen or a restaurant yeah. and you guys are climbing under whole cabinets. You're going through these little shoots and stuff, trying to chase each other. How difficult and how tight was that on set to try to shoot that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was, that was crazy. That was crazy. When I, uh, <laughs> when I got to set um, for, for, for that running sequence that day, uh, you know, we were sort of going through the motions. I was like, man, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do some stretching because they really got us hopping over these tables and and doing all right this stuff. So, you know, definitely, I had to be in shape. Shout out to Chadwick. Um, you know, both both of us just knew that that people wanted to see that. People wanted to see Jackie Robinson chasing Jesse Owens, and we wanted to make a thing out of it and be able to 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 do it and make it look real and authentic. So, so shout out to him for for both of us just committing to that. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. All right, Jamie, what you got? So, you know, Stefan, we've seen you in so many intense dramas from obviously Homecoming season two, which we're going to be talking about shortly, to Quibi's Free Rayshawn, which is really stunning, and the critically acclaimed film that Ryan mentioned earlier, If Bill Street Could Talk. Do you have a genre preference when you're choosing these kind of roles? That's a great question. Um, 
Honestly, no, I, I I don't. You know, some people look at my projects and say, "Oh, he he does these kind of movies or or those kind of movies." And honestly, I just love stories. Um, you know, at the core of me, I'm an artist, and I love great great stories, great characters, and um and all of these films you mentioned, you know, just struck me as interesting stories to tell, whether it be race, like you know, this black man who transcended race in 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 germany and in the world you know because he he ran <laughs> and he you know he literally broke the, the color barrier through, through running or you look at like bill street being able to to work with the great uh barry jenkins and to say the words of 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 you know the literary genius that is james baldwin so you know those things to me are just like it's just an opportunity to tell incredible stories and in a work with incredible people the story structure of this series, uh, Homecoming, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. When reading the script, did you take it in small doses or did you read it all at once? Um, actually, for Homecoming, what's interesting is I, I, I heard the podcast first. That was the first um, iteration of, of, of this idea that I had come into contact with was a podcast. And I had never listened to podcasts before, honestly. Um, so I, I really just, I dove into the podcast. I, I found myself um, so immersed in that world that, that you know, I started reading the scripts and, and to me, they kind of felt similar. I kind of felt like this dystopian, you know, kind of like thriller, kind of 80s thriller kind of vibe to it. And I, I felt like if we could do that in a show, then we'd be doing our job. So um, shout out to, to obviously Julia Roberts, who I did that first season with and, and Sam Eshmael who directed it. Um, but this season's going to be great too. Season two, we, we got, uh, the beautiful and talented Janelle Monet, uh, leading up the show for us this season. Um, and that was incredible to work with her too. I think the show just, you know, it goes to a whole nother level this season. Um, I was just going to say going into, um, Walter Cruz, just like a little bit more, um, bouncing off from season one and the fact that you guys are stepping away from the podcast for season two. Yeah. Do we get a chance to see him get any sort of his memory back or is he just sort of just like, just kind of drifting because I remember in hearing in a promo it says it's my time to take charge. So that to me meant maybe he's going to get a little bit of something back. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get myself in trouble here. But um, oh, okay. <laughs> but but I will say this, Walter. Um, you know, if you saw that that first season, you know that Walter was sort of taken advantage of, and mm-hmm. in this second season, um, there is a a, a dogged determination um, that Walter has to figure out what happened to him in that first season and to avenge, mm-hmm. avenge the wrongs, um, you know, to make them right. So, so, you know, he's, he's looking for revenge in the second season, no doubt. In the second season as well, there's still so much to unpack with Walter and obviously without spoiling, how much has he evolved from this season compared to what we saw in season one? Oh, light years. I mean, essentially you were, you know, in that first season, you were seeing a, a young man who was losing his memory by the by the minute. Um, you know, so you weren't really getting Walter Cruz in a holistic in a holistic sense. I feel like there's so many colors of Walter that didn't exist in that first season because he was literally being robbed of who he was um, every single day with the medication that he was he was taking. So for me, um, it was kind of like working backwards, and it was like I get to paint a whole picture about who he really is, like the person he really is. Um, the man he really is, and and then sort of just figure out what happened to him um, afterwards. There's also um, a connection that I think uh, Ryan 
had noticed in season one, and we're not sure if this rings true. Ryan, do you want to ask about that with the water and the... Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So let me see if I was looking at this too hard. In the end of season one, there, Julia, uh, well, I was gonna say Julia Roberts, Heidi and Walter having a conversation at a diner and it mentions how you, um, Walter decided to stay at a cabin near a creek or a lake. And we get, um, we get, uh, Janelle Monet's character, Jackie, waking up in a boat on a lake in the water. Like, I'm just seeing a lot of water here and I'm wondering if there's a connection going into, like, what can you give us? Like, what can you tease about that? <laughs> <laughs> You're you're very observant, Uh-oh. Ryan. I see that. I like. Uh oh, set up. That's good. I've been practicing this all day. I practice it all day. <laughs> hey, hey, we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Say less. I I love it. Yes, yes. We're in the danger zone with that question. I know. I I too far. It was too much. Go ahead, Jamie. Just take it back. Take it back from me. I went too much on that one. Well, you know, there's some really great chemistry between you and Janelle Monet's character. And um, can you kind of tell us a little bit about working with her? What that experience was like? Uh, did you guys um, hang out a lot offset to kind of get a sense of getting to know uh, her character and building that rapport and relationship? Because um, there's some boundaries where you guys do kind of grow some trust with each other, but then there's some, you know, moments of mistrust, um, if you will, but kind of tell us about what that experience was like. Yeah. Um, no, just awesome. I mean, I remember when I first found out, uh, you know, Janelle was going to be in the show with us. I was just so excited, um, because I, you know, I'd really obviously been a fan of her, uh, as a musician and, and, and sort of, you know, that level of her artistry and what she was doing there. Um, but then getting her to see, getting to see her, sorry, in, 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 you know, in films, you know, she's a newer actress. Um, but, you know, I'd gotten to see her work over, over the last, you know, couple of years. And, um, and honestly was just so thrilled that she was going to be, be helming the, helming the show. Um, you know, I'd met her before just sort of casually, um, you know, at, at events and, and whatnot. And we've shared like a mutual respect for each other. So, so that was very exciting, but she's, she's honestly been so incredible. Um, Janelle is, uh, what can I say? She's a, she's a perfectionist in a sense, um, you know, very, very detailed. Um, she cares a lot about the work, um, a lot about the, the, the set and how, you know, how the environment is. Um, I don't know. I, I would just say that, you know, I saw somebody who was really just uh, determined to learn and to grow every day. She was asking questions and, and, and you know, trying to figure out how could she be better in each given scene and each given moment. Um, so that's something that I, I really admired from her. Um, it was cool. It was it was it was fun. You know, we had sort of a a quick um, a quick and busy shooting schedule uh, this season. So there wasn't a whole lot of hanging out outside of work, but um, just very, very cool. Just good, good, solid times being on set with her. How long was the shooting schedule? I want to say this season was like two months or like, yeah, nine, 10 weeks or something really quick. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, seeing this incredibly well-written script um, with such a compelling story, are there moments where, um, and even just the dialogue between the two of you guys, especially uh, you guys in the restaurant, are there moments where, you ever feel the need to improv or was everything that you guys performed just all on the script, all on the page? 
there were definitely little moments of of improv and ad libbing ad libbing. Um, sorry, but but honestly, I have to give a lot of credit to our writers, uh, Eli uh, and Micah. You know, our writers are really brilliant. They're incredible. They make every sort of scene feel really conversational, really natural. Um, you know, and that obviously for actors, that's a dream because we don't have to do too much reaching and, and putting things together for ourselves. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, we definitely had moments where we were playing off of each other and, and would use obviously the script to as motivation. Are you still um inter- is uh are you still interacting with Julia Roberts at all going into season two? Like, is she doing any kind of creative input going into season two, or is it just mostly well behind the scene production work? Uh, yeah, Julia, you know she's still an executive producer on the show, um, and obviously shows us mad love. She came to visit us while we were working on season two, um, so she's still invested in the in the process in the show. Uh-huh. We we both started together. Um, and yeah, it was it was cool to see her show up. She surprised us one day on set. We were in the middle of a of a of a scene, and and the director calls cut. And she just comes marching in like applauding, <laughs> um, and just stole the show. So so it was dope. She's really really cool. That's awesome. Um, what was you know? This is a question I ask usually of every actor when I do these kinds of interviews. Is there a scene that obviously without spoiling anything because. Th- th- this show is, first of all, incredible. It's just filled with so many climactic moments and um, moments where plot twists, uh, where you're just completely stunned by one moment to the next. So without giving away too much, is there a scene that resonates with you the most during this whole time when you were shooting this series? Um, you mean, you mean in the second season or just overall? Um, well, I would say overall between both seasons. That way, if there is a season one, then you can give it away. Um, <laughs> 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 um, uh, uh, well, for me, the thing that resonated the most from season one would probably be that fork scene that y'all were talking about earlier. Um, where, you know, he, uh, we see Walter and Heidi in sort of this cafe, um, out of town and, and, and Walter, you know, moves his fork in a position that may be suggestive that maybe he knows something. Uh, I think that that was just a seminar. I knew it. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that's, that's the reaction that most people give me. It's like everyone wants to talk about that first mo- that first scene, that first uh, season, sorry, and that fork moment at the end. Uh, what about the fork? What about the fork? Does he know something? Does he not know something? And so that was a question that I had to face, you know, months for. I'm still trying to answer that question till this day. Um, but honestly, I think that that was a scene that stuck out for me a lot of the of, from the first season because it kind of left the second season up in the air and and here we are now second season in the can so i'm so excited for people to see it but as far as the second season goes um i will say that there's a chase sequence um between myself and i won't say who else uh and i just think that that scene that whole scene leading up to the chase sequence and the sequence itself Mm. was probably just the most visceral part of the whole second season for for 
both of the characters involved. Um, it, it sort of all comes to a head, um, and it's a pivotal, pivotal moment in the in the in the show. So, uh, what can I say? I'm just excited for people to see it. So intense. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that scene. Um, do you have any aspirations outside of acting? I mean, I, I mentioned parts of your resume before with such dramatic films that you've been in, um, in these intense roles. Um, but do you see yourself doing any kind of directing, producing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've already started, uh, you know, pursuing those, those goals and dreams. I definitely have producerial aspirations. Um, definitely would love to direct something one day. I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time around a lot of brilliant filmmakers, um, you know, and I'm 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 very blessed to say that you know with such a young career that I've been around a lot of really really cool filmmakers and been able to just you know be a fly on the wall to their process, um, which is something that I don't take for granted at all, and I think it'll be useful when I do decide to go into directing. And then as far as producing, of course, I've already started to produce things uh, things in the works now, things that people will start hearing about soon. Um, so I'm excited to to definitely share that those stuff with the world as well. I know that you and your brother Shamir Anderson, who's also an actor, you guys put together the annual Black Ball every year for um, at TIFF at the Toronto International Film Festival, and sadly that's um, going to be postponed because of what's happening in the world right now with the pandemic. Um, but I was curious to know. Do you plan any kind of event in lieu of that? Because it's such a great, uh, you know, event that celebrates Black cinema. And I was just curious to know if you plan to do anything around that or, you know, any kind of other events uh, in the near future. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for asking about that. Um, You know, Black, the organization me and my brother created um, four or five years ago now, um, honestly, it's taken off in a way that we 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 really couldn't have expected, and and to have a presence like the one we have now at the Toronto International Film Festival, I think it's it's sort of exceeded expectations. Um, to to answer your question, honestly, we 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 really haven't discussed um, you know what would what would take place should that not you know go through, which which the likelihood of it not happening is is obviously greater and greater every day, but. Um, but we've been developing a lot of the a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, one of those things being a monologue slam competition mm. in oh, in, wow. in schools, which is which is really crazy. We partnered with the Toronto District School Board um, here to to select uh, ten different schools um, and and two finalists from each of those schools to compete um, in a competition for various things like like headshots and and and. Um, you know, sort of advice from from different acting coaches and and reputable individuals in the industry to help them sort of get a, a head start in the industry. Something that me and my brother really didn't have when we were coming up in this, in this industry like ten years ago. Um, so that's something we're really really proud of. Um, you know, it's kind of been stalled, but you know, the kids often share their videos of of, of the monologues they've been working on at home, even during this whole self isolation. So it's really really encouraging to see that people are still being creative during this time. Um, yeah, just proud that me and my brother were able to start something like that. Um, you know, it's a it's a non for profit now, and it's 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 just being. I mean, to us, we 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 really feel like we've just given 
uh, young artists an opportunity to express themselves, give them an outlet and a platform that we that we never had. So just just proud of us. And shout out to Shamir too, because it's his birthday today. Um, oh, oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday, yeah, yeah. Shout out, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool to have that outlet that have that outlet right now, especially in a time like this. You need somewhere to kind of vent and kind of get yeah. everything out. So that's mm-hmm. real dope. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so my last question to round everything out, um, I want to take you back to 2018 when you were on BGN for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how podcasts are kind of become, a, um, you know, kind of part of your world now because of homecoming and everything. And that you have started listening to more podcasts. So I want to know if Black Girl Nerds is one of those podcasts you might have started listening to over time. Because you had a couple years. Put me on the spot now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Stefan, you had a couple years. Hey, you know what? I've been extremely, extremely uh, uh, tuned in to what y'all are doing. I, I can't say that I religiously listened to the podcast, but when, when you guys requested to have me back on, I was elated and I agreed immediately. Um you know, I think if maybe if y'all could hook, y'all hook me up with some some episodes. Can y'all send me something? I mean, what, okay, give me a little head, a little head start. What? Yes, I'm I'm already I was already sending it. Don't even worry about That's it. Perfect. I was That's already perfect. sending it while you were talking. I was already ready. I appreciate you. I got some I got some extra time nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Well, that is that's fantastic, Stefan. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm just like I'm excited to check out uh, May 22nd, Homecoming season two. Yeah, yeah. That's Make sure you got that Amazon video happening. Please do. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for this, and we appreciate it. Um, guys, also keep a check. You know, BG on all platforms: Twitter, Instagram. Check out our website. We have lots of new material, exciting interviews coming up. And again, thank you, Stefan. And um, we'll talk to all you guys later. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.